Welcome to the Boys of Summer, episode number 80. I'm Gene Gums, joined by my friends Paul Arnold and Eric Braun. Thanks for joining in for another edition. And guys, look, we're a month into the season, and the three of us are in a unique position. It's Usually, going great. because Paul, you're well, well, Paul, because you're a Detroit Tiger fan, and Eric, you're a Kansas City Royal fan. Me being a Boston Red Sox fan, I usually can kind of sit in the catbird seat and kind of laugh at you guys. Uh, oh. Right now, we have all three of our teams kind of in the toilet. Uh, so I'm going to ask each of you to give me a reason why we should be optimistic. If you're Eric, for instance, let's start with you. If you're a Kansas City Royals fan, tell me why Royals fans should be optimistic about this team. Well, look, the starting pitching has been, uh, you know, not anywhere near as terrible as it was in spring training. And we've actually, <laughs> we've actually been in most games. We've had a couple okay. of blowouts, but for the most part, we've been in most games. Our, the offense is going to be this bad forever. I mean, look, Salvi and Witt are not, uh, Witt Merrifield are not going to, to hit, you know, blow the Mendoza line all season long. Right. Right. So, so when they, when they pop up and by the way, they've been up, they've between those, those two, uh, have been up with runners on base the most this season. So when those right. two guys get things figured out, you know, we'll, we'll, we should see a return to, uh, something not quite so agonizing. And I just want to say, Gene, I really, I really appreciate that, uh, that you now get to feel our pain and, and that is, that's, that's, that's <laughs> what a friend. That's, that's what we yeah. call sarcasm. There, there you go. Uh, you know, I guess Eric, you know, looking at this Royals team, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I, when they signed, uh, Zach Greinke, I kind of went, yeah, you know, kind of like a nostalgia kind of thing, I guess, whatever. But you know what? He's pitched really well, hasn't he? He has pitched really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has no wins to show for it, but uh, right. yeah, he's 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 pitched really, really well. He's, um, you know, he's, and I hope that the young pitchers take away a lot from him because what he's not doing is throwing, you know, ninety-five, a hundred miles per hour. He's using location and and you know a little trickery to uh, uh, to get a lot of outs. And he's he's also not striking out or walking anyone. Right. So he's just, right. he's, he's using the defense. He's, you know, uh, he's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think if they just take anything from him, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just that, you know, just, just pitch and let, let the game come to you. Well, you just said it. He's doing, he's doing what we don't see this much this, uh, these last few years he's pitching, yep. you know, he's, he's, he, you know, he's not going to overpower. He's not out there throwing, which is what we see in a lot of cases these days, right? Go out and throw it a million miles an hour. This guy is out there and, and he is uh, a pitching. And when you have young kids like, like Bubich, the kids, uh, Spire that they've got, uh, you know, those guys could learn a lot from him. No, I'm not saying, look, uh, they obviously have better stuff than he has right now. So it's not, it's not exactly apples to oranges, but if he can teach them, if nothing else, location, you know, how to hit your spots and, and how to, to outguess, uh, the other team, that's gotta be really what you're looking for, huh? It is, um, you know, Bubich. I don't know about, you know, he, he might need to spend a little time figuring things out because <laughs> he's he's had a rough go so far this year. Um, but I mean, look, uh, some of the other guys, you know, on on the on the starting rotation, um, you know, like, like Hernandez is suddenly starting to figure it out. You know, he got blown up, you know, later in the game. I think it was last night. 
um, or the night before, but, uh, you know, he's, you know, so he's starting to come around. Um, you know, so I think I, I definitely see where it's, things are starting to come together and looking much better on the pitching side, which is not how I thought this season was going to go. Um, I thought it was going to be all offense and no, uh, pitching based on what we saw in spring training, but the pitching has actually not been terrible. And the bats have just been unbelievably bad, like ter- like biblical. <laughs> well, well, one guy that has been a bit of a, I, I guess I don't want to say surprise because this is a guy I watch play quite a bit, but Andrew Benintendi has had a nice bounce back season for the Royals this year, at least so far. We're only 30 days in, so you don't want to get carried away, but he's off to a right. good start. Yeah, he is. He's cooled off a little bit lately. Uh, but he started, he was, he was our offense like the first month of the season. Um, but he's a, he, I mean, he was a great pickup for the Royals. I mean, you know, gold Glover, he won the, you know, the glo- gold glove in left field last year, picking right up where Alex left off. Um, and yeah. And even when he didn't hit as well, especially, I think it was in the second half of last year um, or no, it was the first half he, he struggled. And then the second half, he actually came on, uh, you know, I think he's uh, yeah, he, I hope we keep him around for a long time. He's been a great player. What about uh, the the start for Bobby Witt Jr.? Has this been just too much pressure put on this kid, you think? Or is it just a case of he's just got to figure it out? Uh, he's he's figuring it out now. I mean, he's he's been hitting the ball pretty well. He started off really, really rough. I think, yeah, I think, I think uh, one, I think it's just getting used to major league pitching is just tough for anybody. I don't care who you are. Nobody comes up and just starts batting like crazy. Um, you know, maybe he was the guy that everyone thought would would be able to do that. He is not, uh, but, um, but yeah, he's, so he's, he's batting. I know he's batting like 220 now, so right around there. Uh, but his, uh, like over the last couple of weeks, he's, you know, he had, he, I think he had like a 10 or 11 game hitting streak. So he's, he's really come around and by the Royal standards, he's, you know, a silver slugger, you know, contender. <laughs> Well, the other team that the Royals are battling out with in the AL Central, and that's 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 for last place, folks. Uh, and, and by the way, this isn't just throwing – I'm not just throwing shade at you guys because here's the Red Sox sitting in last place all by themselves. But uh, are the aforementioned Detroit Tigers and Paul Arnold uh, – look, you guys just sent down one of the, the big names from last season, a guy that everybody was excited about, Akil Badu, just got sent down to the minor leagues. So please – Tell me why, as a Tiger fan, you should be optimistic right now. Well, let me go back for a second. You said sort of in the toilet. I, I don't know if you can be sort of in the toilet. I think either you're in or you're out, but I feel like we're in the <laughs> toilet. And then and then you deal with that after you get there. Um, second, uh, you're talking about Granke. His type of pitching, I think, he got to have moxie. And I remember I was out east in Massachusetts, and they had a certain type of drink called moxie. And it took a lot of moxie to drink moxie. It was not... Oh, nasty stuff. Nasty stuff. But so that's what Granky has now. It's changed the speed, curves like Maddox all over again. Um, and then for Detroit Tigers, we're sort of in this, like, oh, here we go, same old story, even when we thought we had hoped this year. And you told, I told you guys in previous podcasts I was feeling really hopeful. But it was cool to see Miggy get his 3,000, to get his 600 doubles. I mean... Miggy's a really great story, and I'm sort of enjoying that part because you just when I realized only Hank Aaron and um, uh, Pulhorst are the only ones that have done as many home runs and doubles as Miggy, that's rare air. So I'm appreciating Miggy. And then 
in Detroit, we have come up with a new way of enjoying sports. We enjoy the success of our former athletes. <laughs> so, so we train them up. We're like the prep school or the college that sends them on to another team for the pros. So right now, you know, Stafford went to the L.A. Rams, and we celebrated his success with the Rams. We're so desperate for success. And right now, I was really happy Verlander almost got another no-hitter. And he's at 30, I think, 8 years old, 36, 38, something like that. And so the last comment I'll have is, in Hench we trust. Uh, I believe they'll turn it around. And right now, with it being over 80 degrees in Michigan, man, I just want to sit in a ballpark, drink a cold one, watch a game, and just turn off the rest of the world. You know, that's good enough for me right now. Well, you know, it's funny. It's, it's funny, too. You know, you, you mentioned Miggy, and, you know, as we've done this uh, podcast over the last couple of years, one of the things you've always said is, God, I can't wait for that contract to be over. Yes. Yet what, yet what you look at, at what Miguel Cabrera's done this year, I mean, look, he's hitting 250. Right hey. now, that's like, that's <laughs> like the top three or four batting averages on the Detroit Tigers. He's yeah. carrying his team right now. I mean, so I, I guess that, if nothing else, that kind of tells you the state of where things are, where you've got an aging guy like Miguel Cabrera, and right now he is leading this team, a guy who hasn't had a lot left in the tank, it doesn't appear. No, no, I know that's the state of baseball right now, and I just read an article today about the baseball, and we might get into that later, but um, yeah, between all the fresh pitching arms the first couple months, cold weather, and maybe they overthought the baseball, like they said something about they tried to be more consistent with centering the center of the ball, and that's, you know, I, I like good pitching, I like what Eric has said before, I don't want to see them fly out every time, but it was said that every they're doing a statistic that the balls are traveling eight to twelve feet less. That was one Dan Dickerson for the Tiger announcer said that he saw some studies, and that's just too much a to change. So I'm hoping they're going to juice up the balls and let's go Tigers. <laughs> uh, so after that, I'll get over to where the Red Sox are right now, and uh, you don't need to know any more than this. The Boston Red Sox are in last place in the American League East behind the Baltimore Orioles, a team that has lost over 100 games the last three years in a row. That's all you need to know about the Red Sox. Uh, and it's been really tough. But the most amazing statistic, guys, since before last night, since April the 23rd, the Red Sox starting staff had an ERA, just the starters, of 1.66. Guess what their record was over those games? Three and 12. So, I mean, that when you want to talk about a team that is struggling to hit, how can you have your starters pitching to a 166 and you go three and 12? That's almost hard to do. Actually, it's almost impossible to do. But then you look at Kike Hernandez, who was hitting, uh, he was hitting like 160. Uh, You look at, uh, uh, their starting first baseman, Bobby Dalbeck, who's hitting 140. Jackie Bradley Jr., who's hitting like 195. Uh, you know, if it weren't for Xander Borgards, Rafi Devers, and J.D. Martinez, they, they may not score any runs. Trevor Story hit his first home run uh, the day we taped this. We're taping this on the 11th of May. He just hit his first home run. We're a month into the season. This is the guy that was their big free agent signing. So, you know, that's where we're at. Now, look, 
you know, how, why, why should we be optimistic about the Red Sox? Well, we know this. We know Kike Hernandez does not stink that bad. We all saw what he did in the playoffs last year where he was just incredible. And even then, I mean, last year he, he was a 260, 270 hitter, got on base, you know, at, at a decent amount at the start of the lineup. So you know he can't continue to be that bad. You know that uh, Trevor Story is not a 200 hitter. You know, now, you know, we can debate that whether how good he's going to be away from Coors Field where he was over a 300 hitter in his career and 240 away from Coors. So w- w- I guess we're going to find out what kind of hitter he really is. Um, and then there's the optimism of come July, right after or right around the All-Star break, they are going to get Chris Sale back. And they are going to get James Paxton, who is a, a top-of-the-rotation kind of guy who is coming off of Tommy John surgery. So come the All-Star break, they're going to get you know two guys that are top-of-the-rotation arms back. And then you add that to what they've gotten from Nate Evaldi, what they've gotten from Garrett Whitlock, and what they're getting from uh, whatever combination you want of Michael Walker, which, by the way, what a great story he's been, uh, Rich Hill, and, and Nick Pavetta. I mean, you, you got to think if they hit at all, this team has an opportunity still to make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, and I, and I say that, and people are going to laugh, because as of right now, they are 11 games behind the New York Yankees. 11 games, a month into the season. That's crazy. But... With the American League East, I think three teams are going to make the playoffs. So my my motto for this year is we got to finish third. <laughs> we got to beat up. We got to beat the Toronto Blue Jays out for third place. That's what we're looking at. It's I can't believe I'm even saying that, but with 12 teams making the playoffs this year, that's that's what that's that's my mantra. Let's go third. Unbelievable. <laughs> but that's where we're at. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's just, I can't, I can't believe I'm, I'm seeing it. I really can't. So, uh, our therapy session has now concluded. I hope I feel better. How about you guys? Oh, definitely. sure. Why not? Yes. Why not? <laughs> I'm on now, the on toilet the now. Side, uh, there you go. On the other side of things, let's look at a few teams that are, uh, I guess you would have to say, well, I don't know if they're exceeding expectations or if it's what we're expected. The one team that's obviously exceeding expectations right now are the Angels. Yeah. I mean, they sit in, they sit in first place ahead of the Houston Astros. So, uh, you know, that is uh, a surprise for a lot of folks. Um, now, I had a, I, I, I picked them to go to the playoffs. I was going to say, yeah, um, you, were, you were on that train. Yeah, I did pick them to go to the playoffs, although I still thought the Houston Astros would win the division. And I still think they will when push comes to shove. But the question I want to ask you guys is we take a look at the New York Mets. They are 21 and 10. Um, competing for the back page with the New York Yankees, which you always love to see. But my question to you is this. Is, is the Mets success and all the – I mean, look, they've been a train wreck the last few years, right? It's like everything that can go wrong has for this team. But they've got things going on in the right direction. But in order to do that, they had to have a payroll of 306 million dollars they didn't just exceed the luxury cap they obliterated it so i ask you is that good for baseball well first 306 that seems like a lot that seems like a lot of money i don't know i we've never it's seen a, that it's a, <laughs> yeah it's a, i mean it's it's i don't think what the, what did the dodgers spend last year didn't they spend like 280 or 290 
It, it was a lot. I don't know. I try not to look. It just makes me feel sad. I, I think this is, I mean, 300 and yeah, $306 million. That's, that's like more than the GNP of some small countries. I think um, it probably is. Um, as far as, uh, as, is it good for or bad for baseball? Well, it's, it's bad for baseball. And, you know, obviously as a small market guy, uh, I'm going to say that, but you know, when it comes to these teams that just spend and spend and spend, I'm, I kind of have two, uh, two points of view on it. One is that, no, it's not great for baseball because, you know, uh, you know, teams like Los Angeles and, uh, and, and now the Mets are, uh, uh, you know, are, are buying their way into, uh, contention versus, you know, getting talent, fostering talent, bringing talent to the majors and keeping them around for five years and then send them off to the darned old, uh, Dodgers and Mets and Yankees. But the other view I have is, uh, you know, for every Dodgers and, and now, now the Mets, although last year was a bad example for that, um, you've got the Yankees and, uh, sorry, Gene, the Red Sox and a lot of other teams who spend ridiculous amounts of money and, 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 and don't compete. So, you right. know, there's, it's the, it's the only thing that gets me through, uh, uh, looking at those payrolls is that, uh, you know, so often it, it backfires on them. That's fair. Oh, wow. You know, you know, I don't blame the players and the agents if the teams are willing to pay for it. And, um, and one time I remember we were discussing about hall of fame and we were talking to, and stay with me on this one. And we were talking about should like Roger Clemens get in because back when he was alleged to do something, it wasn't illegal. So how can you right. penalize somebody when it wasn't illegal back in the day? And right now it's not illegal. I mean, it's part of, part of the setup for these teams. They can spend this much. They just have to pay the penalty tax. So until something changes, if you got the money, what can we do? You know, it's, I feel they're sort of, um, you know, that's the way it is. I can't change it. But I think that's what makes baseball so sweet when you see a team just play out of their mind good and they're not supposed to be good because it, it's like even the underdogs have their day. Um, so I don't know. And also the opposite's true. I really love it when the big teams lose when they're supposed to win. It's sort of like in our society, we have to have the Goliaths and the Davids. It's part of our, our, our way of the, we feel like we're the underdog. We want to see the big guys fall. So I don't know, Gene, I'm not, I'm back in the toilet again. <laughs> so, so are you, are you, so you're telling me that you're, you're actually gleeful that the Red Sox are sitting in last place right now. Is no, that you me? know, that's not true because I don't consider <laughs> the Red Sox as one of those teams because the Red Sox is my second favorite team of all time. And then the Braves are my third. So I watched them on TV the other night and I thought, where's Gene? I can't see Gene because <laughs> you were there and I was watching and, um, I'm curious how you liked that game. I will tell you that of all, I mean, and I've been to every major league ballpark with the exception of five or six. Now, uh, this is the first time I've ever been to Truist park. And I have to tell you of all the places I have ever been, this was the ballpark that while Camden yards is still my favorite ballpark outside of Fenway park. 
I will have to tell you the truest park was probably the most enjoyable experience I've ever had at a ballpark. Wow. Um, wow. Big. It, it was, it was the easiest to get to when I tell you it's right off the highway. I mean, it's right off the highway parking. Parking is easy. You know, I mean, I, I paid for a parking pass, so I had parking ahead of time. So I knew where I was going. I got in off the highway. I stayed at a hotel that was, uh, you know, fairly close to the ballpark. I left the hotel. I was in my parking place in less than five minutes. Nice. Walk to the ball. It's, it's a short walk to the ballpark. When you, you know, like a lot of times when you have to go through metal detectors and all this other stuff. Now I got into the ballpark in two minutes. I mean, it was just incredible. And then, you know, I sat, uh, you know, we had our seats, we were in section 137. So I was down the, uh, the third baseline, right about at the end of the infield, uh, you know, where the infield meets the outfield. And we were back probably, I don't know, a third of the way in the lower level. I had great seats. I had an overhang over the top. So, uh, you know, even though it was, you know, 83 degrees and sunny, we were in the shade. Uh, there were a lot of Red Sox fans there. I mean, a lot. Holy cow. I couldn't believe the number of Red Sox fans. I would say probably close to half of the section I was in was all Red Sox fans. Um, but the Atlanta Braves fans, while there was some good natured ribbing, they were incredibly kind. They were fun to be around. Uh, it wasn't like going to Yankee stadium as a Red Sox fan. I'll tell you that. Uh, so it was, it was, and then when the ball game was over, now we stayed right to the last minute because obviously the Red Sox were winning and I was a happy guy, but we got out of there really quick. I left, uh, the parking garage. I was back in my hotel five minutes from the time I left the parking garage. It was unbelievable. I, I will go back there many, many times. Now that I live in this area, I will go back there, uh, in a heartbeat because I just think they do it right. And, and it's a fun look, they have a lot of fun there too, between the innings. And, uh, you know, they have a, a great time with the, with the camera, you know, with the fans and, uh, it's just a great ballpark. I, I have no credit. The, the only criticism I will have is that they give you almost zero information about the opposing team. I mean, like, they they don't give you anything like, you know, what a guy is hitting, you know, what he did, uh, you know, what the pitcher's ERA is. You know, they'll give you his pitch count and they'll give you. But I thought they did a rather poor job of giving you information on the other team. I know it's the Braves ballpark, but when I go to Fenway, they show you stuff about the other team. You know, and, and I so that would be my only criticism, but that's a, it's a small criticism. I mean, I knew the Red Sox. I didn't really necessarily need them to tell me. I just thought that uh, maybe it was a little too homerish, if that's if that's the right way to put it. But outside of that, absolutely stellar experience. So, Paul, you were right. I was worried about driving into Atlanta, but it's really not in Atlanta. It's about 10 miles. It's about 10 miles short of downtown. Right. You know, I mean, so it was a honest to God piece of cake. I, you know, and. And where I live, it, you know, it was a beautiful drive to get there. You don't get to any traffic until you get to, I don't know, Alpharetta, you know, Marietta, somewhere around there as you get close to Atlanta. But outside of that, my God, most of the drive was just a piece of cake and looking at mountains. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back. Did you have anything have you, to eat there? You know what? I didn't. And I'll tell you why. And, and this was the one mistake that I made. When we got our seats, I was in the middle of the row, oh, no. dead 
central in the middle of the row. And I did not want to get up and disturb people. I, I, you know, I just, that's just me. And my wife's the same way, by the way. We don't like doing that. We don't like having to walk down the road and say, excuse me, excuse me. So we didn't. So what we did was before the game, we each got a, an, an alcoholic beverage and got some peanuts. And that's what, that's what we ate because we didn't want to get up. And so we, we already said, next time we go, we got to make sure we get tickets on the end. Because there's, there's a lot of great food options there, too. The, the smells were killing me, <laughs> you know. But, but, you know, I just didn't want to disturb people. And, you know, I mean, I'm one of the few northerners, I guess, who's polite. Um, so now that I'm in the South, now that I'm in the South, I want to act like a southerner and I didn't want to disturb anybody. But so, no, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything to drink, I, although I did have an interesting. I had never had a vodka mule before. You ever had one? Nope. Nope. It's it's interesting. It's got it's vodka and ginger beer and uh, I can't remember what like uh, something else. I can't remember what else is in it. And it's interesting. I'd never had one before. So because I don't drink beer. Oh, I don't oh like wait, beer. it's it's they're calling it a vodka mule now because of the Russia Ukraine situation. So it's just a Russian regular Russian mule. Oh, is that what they're doing? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so that's so it was. Yes, good. I've had those. I've, I've had never, those. They're quite yeah, delicious. I'd, yeah, I had never had one before, so I enjoyed that. Um, but next, yeah, next time we go, I'll definitely make sure we have, we have different seats because I, I hate being in the middle. Of, it's the worst. I don't care whether you're going to a baseball game, a concert, a play, whatever. Being in the middle of the row absolutely stinks. It's true. Have you been to Kaufman? I have. Oh, many times. Okay. okay. All right. My high, thinking, my, high school, my, high school, my high school baseball coach uh, was Bob Schaefer who's your former oh. manager for uh, several years. So I had an opportunity to, uh, you know, I, I just called him up and said, and, and he got me tickets and had a chance to go in the clubhouse. And that's the first time I ever met George Brett was oh, really? when uh, Schaefer was there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And uh, yeah, so I love, I, I love Kaufman. That's a great state. Talking, that's another one that's an easy in and out. Yeah, I was going to say, that's you, you kind of described what the experience, because it's nowhere near downtown. It's way out in Blue yeah. Springs. And uh, yeah, well, talking and, about and, movie, there's, they're talking about moving it downtown, but we'll see. That'd be awful. But, well, and the other thing about Kansas City is that it, it, when you talk about being on the outskirts, you know what? When you leave Kansas City proper, there's nothing. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you, you know, quickly get out in the sticks. Yeah, you do. So, so actually getting to, getting to Kaufman is pretty easy, too. But, but I really did. I mean, you know, my biggest experience, obviously, is the, you know, several hundred times that I've driven to Fenway in my life. And there is no comparison going yeah. to Fenway Park. Versus going to Truist. I mean, honest to God, I can't think of another park outside. I guess Kaufman would be another one. Uh, even as much as I like Camden Yards, Camden Yards is a bit of a pain in the butt unless you're going down there and staying overnight in one of the hotels close. Uh, otherwise, Camden can be a Camden Yards can be a little bit of a pain in the in the rear end to uh, to go to. But but Truist is great. I, I I Paul, I am happy to say you were right, my friend. That was just a great experience. Glad she could go, and yeah, the Braves. I think they really thought that through a lot about. Was there a lot of um, like shopping and other restaurants around the park? Yeah, there's there's tons of stuff around there, which is cool. And of course, my wife works for Home Depot, so she was loving it because there are there's signages everywhere because their their corporate headquarters in Atlanta. So she was you know she was happy as a clam to see that, and uh, it was just yeah, it's just uh, uh, you know the other thing though that I, I will say one other criticism, and and I'm sure they're not the only team that does this they have like an on-field guy doing a pre-game show who is some i don't want to call him a yahoo but some yahoo who 
was, you know, just a little bit too enthusiastic and just kind of coming up with some corny stuff. And I don't need that. You know, after batting practice, I don't need some guy going out and give me a pregame show. Just let's do the regular things and, you know, just let the, you know, so they're a little bit over the top with some of their um, rah-rah stuff. And it, but that's, that's the world today, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like you go to a basketball game and they they pipe in music and crowd noise to, to an indoor basketball game. I mean, it's like they don't let the games breathe anymore. Everybody, they feel like everybody's got to be entertained every second. So maybe maybe that's part of it. And I'm just the get off my lawn guy. No, I think you're right. It it is it's it's sensory overload in a lot of these parks. That's yeah, that's what it is. There there is not one moment in the in the game at Truist Park that it's quiet. It's just, there isn't anything. It's almost like, heck, even when you go to minor league games where they have promotions and all kinds of things all the time, even in a minor league park, it's a little bit quieter. So I thought, it, I thought right. this was a little bit over the top. But, but you know, again, people were having fun. So And the Red Sox were winning, so that makes me forgive a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, and by the way, I'm going to take full credit for the fact that the Red Sox were there, that the Red Sox won because I was there. I'd like to think that that I got them going. And, well, uh, you know, you know um, what you have to do. What's that? Travel. With I should have game. today. Yeah, yeah. I should. Yeah, should I should have gone today. today, right? Yeah. Matter of fact, they're playing right now. The Red Sox jumped out to a three nothing lead, and it's tied three three. So, if they lose, it'll be my fault. But, but this brings me to my next point. Uh, so, thanks for teeing that up for me, Paul. Um, before the game yesterday, even though I want to take credit for this, Alex Cora had joked with the media, my buddy Pete Abraham, who's the beat writer for the Boston Globe, he had kind of joked with them about there's been a lot of people clamoring for him to shave off a beard. I don't know if you saw him. He grew a beard in the offseason, and it made him look like he was 60 years old because it's like a salt and pepper beard, and I, there's more salt than pepper in his beard. And even though he's not very old, he just made him look ancient. And so people have been saying, you know, and, you know, you started off 10 and 19 and you grew a beard. Coincidence? I think not. So mm-hmm. what happens? He shaves it off and they win. Are you guys superstitious like that? Because we all know baseball's full of superstitions. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm not superstitious in the sense that I believe that doing something like shaving off a beard uh, will change the trajectory of a season, except that I, I believe that people can believe that that is a thing, and <laughs> it, it becomes it becomes something to rally around, right? And it's more it's it's a mental thing, right? Where everyone is just so, like, yeah. this is what this is. We've got the mojo, it's back, we're fixed, and fire away. And and I I do think that works. I think when you have just just getting that that switch to. Uh, that switch to pop, you know, all of a sudden, you you know, things change and mental attitudes can change. And then it, and I think that does work. I don't, you know, is it the beard? Is it the beard that really did it? No, but he shaved the beard. They won a game and all, and you know, <clears throat> that can build momentum. Well, it's kind of like, remember Boggs, uh, he used to eat chicken before mm-hmm. every game. Right. That's every why he game. became, he became known as the chicken man. Um, so, you know, that was, that was kind of his superstition or there's, look, I went, I, I played high school and college ball and, you know, there were guys that 
you know what? If they got you know three hits in a the game, they were wearing that same undershirt, <laughs> and they weren't washing it until they got cold. Which, by the way, we were all praying. Jeez, I hope he doesn't get a hit today, so he'll take the damn shirt off. <laughs> um, but, but, but again, that's kind of part of the superstitions, and that kind of goes along with the game. It seems like every, not every ball player, but a lot of ball players. Heck, a lot of broadcasters. What about what about broadcasters? That, you know, they they won't say that somebody has a no hitter for fear. Mm-hmm. That they'll lose the no hitter and it's going to be your fault. Now I never, I never subscribe to that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, yeah, that's I just that kind of ridiculous. But, but there's a lot of people that st- that feel that way. So it's just baseball strange that way. I think, I think maybe more than any other sport, uh, there's more superstition that uh, plays in the baseball than anybody uh, else. Hockey, hockey, hockey. Well, hockey. yeah, well, the, like the playoff beards and all that kind of stuff. You mean? Well, so I used to play hockey and we had a lot of. Uh, superstitions some i cannot tell you in a family show like this but um okay but you know i think one of the coolest superstitions i liked or tradition was one of your favorite players once again roger clemens would go out and touch babe ruth's statue before every time oh yeah he started for the yep. yankees and it takes a right. lot for me to like a yankee but i like that but i'm just curious maybe this is the acid test for us do you guys believe in stepping on the line or not stepping on the line when you come off the field Never stepped on a line. Never. Yeah, I agree. So I guess I'm so so I guess I'm superstitious. But I never. Matter of fact, not only do I did I not do it at a ballpark, I won't do it on a sidewalk. Because you break your mother's back if you step on it. Yeah. Well, I don't think I ever thought that. But I just it's it's maybe it's maybe there's something weird with me. But when I go for a walk and I'm on a sidewalk, I I I almost will. Kill myself trying not to step on the cracks between the paves, the pavers. I, I know it's, I guess it's kind of weird, but that's, that's, that's something I've been that way most of my life. And my wife did tell me today I was odd. So maybe that plays right along. <laughs> <came with> it. <laughs> well, I got a saying for you, Gene, you can tell her this. So we were doing something okay. at work for this young lady who's about to get married and we were giving pieces of advice and we put them in a jar and she pulled it out. And one of the pieces of advice was from another lady that said, Never make fun of your husband's decisions because you were one of them. Ooh, ooh, I <laughs> like that. One. So there I you go. Tell your wife. I'm that. gonna use that one. Yeah. Let's see how well that goes over. I'll let you know when I'm in divorce court. <laughs> yeah. I, I will. I will say, um, in football, the one superstition I do believe in uh, is this is this has happened three times now. I think um, it's in the playoffs. The Chiefs start super flat, and my wife gets tired of me yelling at the TV and goes and sits on the deck or leaves the house or whatever, and the Chiefs turn it around and come back and win. And it's happened three times, and each time, as soon as the Chiefs start coming back, I tell her she can't come back in the house, which which she's fine with, I will say, because as a baseball fan, she understands superstitions. And she'll she'll sit outside, and it happened during the if you remember the Houston uh, the game in Houston if you can believe the the uh, uh, the Texans were in the playoffs just three years ago um, in in twenty well what was it anyway uh, not too long ago when the Chiefs won their first uh, Super Bowl with uh, with Mahomes uh, the Astro or the the Texans. Like went up like twenty eight to nothing or some ridiculous twenty eight to seven, 
in the first quarter. It was like just a comedy of errors. And the Chiefs ended up turning it around and, and winning that game. Mm-hmm. And and she sat on the patio the whole time. So I'm just saying. It's also a good baseball. Are you nice about asking her to stay outside? <laughs> oh, I'm very nice, obviously. <laughs> because she knows, she knows I would do it for her if it came to a, a Cardinals thing. The Cardinals thing, okay. What what about uh, what about rudders or, or or you know like in in, in your you know chosen uh, field that you follow the most uh, athletically in, in running and biking are are do the guys have superstitions? In uh, there? Hmm. Um, people will have um, I've I've heard of people who have like a lucky pair of goggles or you know for for the swim or um, you know. Um, a pair of good shoes. Oh, shoes only have so many miles in them. Right, um, right. That's the thing is we kind of go through a lot of equipment. <laughs> so um, what the, they will, you know, actually, you know, we'll say things like, you know, don't do anything new on race day. Um, that's which it's not really a superstition. It's just that, you know, you don't want to try any new food. And, um, I said, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I can't think of any big superstitions in, in, in this world. Yeah. And, uh, sorry. Well, that's all right. That's all right. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a big superstition guy. So I, as soon as the Red Sox, uh, if he tries growing that beard back, there's going to be, there's going to be rioting in Boston. <laughs> oh, right. right now. For sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, uh, my question, my next question is when you take a look at the standings and, and we're talking about the Royals and the Tigers, of course, and the Red Sox who have uh, struggled mightily, uh, and then you can also look at the Cincinnati Reds, who right now are seven and twenty-four, who have taken things to a whole new level. Uh, my question to you is: Managers right now, a month into the season, if you had to pick a manager or two that's in trouble, who would it be? Um, yeah, I think David Bell in Cincinnati is in trouble, even though it's really not of his not doing. his fault, right? Yeah, but but you would hope they would be a little bit better than that. I mean, you know, even with um, you know, with the fire cell they had, you know, it's, uh, they're still underperforming. Um, but you know, man, I look at, um, Girardi too. Um, yep. Yep. uh, you know, Girardi and Martinez, um, with, with Washington, they both, I, to me, you know, when I, when I see teams that have given up, um, a lot of games late, you know, I start thinking bullpen management. And to me, that's, that's almost more of a manager thing than, you know, um, you know, like with the Reds, you know, just trying to, you know, manage the decline of getting rid of, you know, some star players. But to me, you know, that's that's probably, I mean, the Nationals 10, 21, and they've they've certainly gotten rid of some personnel, too. Um, but um, but that just I, I just see more bad decisions there than um, than just being a personnel issue. Paul. Yeah, so one team I think likes to turn over managers, and they might have if it wasn't for this player right now, and it's in the National League, you might be able to guess, and that's the Chicago Cubs. Because they love David Ross so much, they're not going to get rid of him. But if it was a no-name guy, I think that person would be on the really hot seat. Cubs is a big market team. They're not doing well. The fans have leftover frustration, feel like they've lost some good players recently. And, you know, it's it's a rebuilding year. How long do you wait type of thing? But I think he's safe. But if it wasn't him, I don't think – I think they'd be moving on. That's a good point. I, I think you mentioned the guy that I think's in the most trouble, 
And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's necessarily the reason that they've struggled, but that's Joe Girardi. The fact that, you know, in Philadelphia, you're three games under 500 and you went out and spent a lot of money. And, you know, you went out and signed Kyle Schwarber for a bunch of money. You got Nick Castellanos for a bunch of money. Uh, you know, you have to wonder uh, how patient. We know Philadelphia fans aren't patient. <laughs> right. So, you know, you know, the question is, is how patient is, is the organization is going to be, especially when you look at, you know, their, their ace, Aaron Nola, is off to a great start. Uh, he's pitching to an ERA in the mid twos. He's looked great. Uh, and Zach Wheeler's, you know, is, is solid. So I just wonder if, if Girardi could be in trouble. Um, and the other guy I thought was in trouble until recently, I thought Tony La Russa might be in big trouble. The Chicago yeah. White Sox, the Chicago White Sox 10 games ago were 7 and 12. They've since won 8 of 10. They're back over 500. They're only two and a half games out. So I think he's okay now. But man, for a little while, I thought uh, the Hall of Famer could be in trouble in Chicago. And, and and there's nothing saying, by the way, if they stumble again, that White Sox management will be patient. With the, with all those young stars they have on that team, it, it seems to me that his leash is going to be short. Maybe I'm wrong because of who he is, you know, kind of like you said with David Ross in Chicago, Paul. But I have to think that if they stumble again, you might you might hear some noise in Chicago. That's why you should never hire a guy like <laughs> like him i mean it's, you're just asking for trouble right how do you how do you fire him i mean hiring yeah. like a 70 you know a guy in his mid to late 70s right isn't he 77 right yeah I mean, yeah like that, right yeah. he's a he's a legend he, you know um they still i mean look you know they won eight to ten though um they're in a division that is ripe for uh um, running away with um although you know the twins have certainly rebounded. Thank goodness. That was nice. Um, anybody, but the white Sox is my motto, but, uh, right. yeah, it's just, it's man. It puts you, it, it backs you into a corner. If things don't go great. That's almost one of those. If you, if you want to fire La Russa, it's almost like you have to pull them in the room and say, look, Tony, uh, we need to make a change. So we have a, we can do it one of two ways. We can fire you, but it would be better if you said, you know what? your, your health just isn't going to allow you to continue that, you know, that, uh, you know, your age is catching up to you or whatever. And you just, you know, you've just decided that it's too much for you and you step down, you know, and that would give everybody a chance to save face. I don't think Tony LaRusso would do it, but I guess if I was the owner of the white Sox and I wanted to make a change, mm-hmm. that's probably the way I'd try to do it. That's what well, Ron LaRusso- Gardenhart did. Uh, yes, and, and- that's right. Larusa wouldn't wouldn't do it because he knows that nobody would believe it, right? I mean, he's been around <laughs> long enough, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, uh, you know, one I I do want to talk about the baseballs real quick because Paul, you brought that up. But before we uh, before we get to that, the, the one other thing I wanted to talk about was I have to tell you, and I know they're in the same division with the Royals and the same division with the Detroit Tigers. I can't tell you how happy I am. Even though I hate the name the Cleveland Guardians, I can't tell you how happy I am to see them playing the way they're playing because I am such a big Terry Francona fan. It is great to see him back on the bench. And it's and and you know what? This is a guy you want to question whether somebody's a good manager or not. That's a team that doesn't have the talent uh, of of the White Sox or the Minnesota Twins, and yet they're playing 500 ball. I I I just think Tony that uh, Terry Francona might be still one of the top two or three managers in Major League Baseball. 
Well, I'm never excited for the Indians or the White Sox to. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, I get it. Right, I get it. I get it. But I, I do, I do really think Frank Cohn is one of the best managers out there. He's done uh, a lot with, with uh, you know, um, not a ton of talent. I mean, they have great pitching, you know, but um, at least great starters. But they're, um, uh, but yeah, uh, the rest of the lineup is, uh, you know, their offense is uh, a struggle. Yeah. Uh, so Paul, you brought up the baseball and, and we've, uh, there's been no question that the balls are not traveling as far. What's been interesting to me is there was a comment made by the hitting coach from the New York Mets, And it was something that one of his players said to you. And they said, this is going to be a nationally televised game. It was going to be on ESPN. You watch the balls are going to fly a lot farther tonight. And the players have been asserting that Major League Baseball on nationally televised games is substituting live baseballs for the dead ones that we're seeing on a daily basis. Do you think they're actually, do you think, well, A, do you think they're doing it? And B, do you think logistically that they could do that and get away with it? Yes and yes. I watched the Giants. (laughs) I'm trying to remember. Giants were playing. Who were they playing? And they were crushing the ball. And they were just saying how this team could not hit very well, and the ball was flying out every way. It was ESPN's Sunday night game. And I love watching anytime they're in San Francisco, the Bay. The, everything looks so cool out there. Um, and I don't know, here's an old man rant on appreciation. I love baseball in HD. I love it. It's so much clearer, nicer. You can really see the game well. Um, same with hockey, too. But... Yes, I I don't have any faith in MLB to play even. I really don't. I think they're so desperate for ratings. Um, and I'm a little also miffed that it's so hard to figure out where you find a game if you don't subscribe to one of like the uh, sports networks, right? If you're trying to find a game besides Bally or besides the Boston or, or the Yankees, it's hard. But yes, that's my answer. Um, I, I have complete confidence in MLB to be way too incompetent to, uh, to be able to pull something like that off. Oh, I mean, you, I suppose you, 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 you scared me for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I thought you could tell me you had complete confidence in major league baseball. I was like, what? Yeah, no, I do not. <laughs> Mike it's yes, obviously sarcasm. Um, the, uh, but yeah, I just, it would be, uh, it just seems like somebody would, somebody would talk or people would figure it out. Or, I mean, I guess people have figured out some, or think they figured it out, but it's just, I, I just, I, I, I don't buy it. It's probably just, um, you know, some fluke, these things happen. Um, but who knows that it's, yeah, I just, I just, I can't believe that the MLB would uh, be capable of pulling it off. So, so you are not in the conspiracy theory camp is what you're telling me. Well, I should, I should say that I'm always not in the conspiracy theory camp. So that's Excellent. just my, my default, uh, okay. well, that's position. Good. That's good. Then, then, then that's good. What about you up in Michigan, Paul? Oh, conspiracies or just yeah. baseball in general being incompetent? Conspiracies. You, you guys, aren't you guys all big into conspiracies up isn't there? This, isn't this being bugged right now? Aren't we being censored? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, was no. To the... Yeah. Good. I actually, in ninety percent of my life, I just am so tired of conspiracies. I have a hard enough time yeah. dealing with reality. 
I'm just tired of other people making up stuff. So, hey, you know what? You ought to be down here in the south. You ought to be down here in the south and watch the because it's political season and I get all the Atlanta channels and you ought to see all the commercials by uh, Donald Trump down here. That's you know still talking about how still talking about how the election was stolen. You know, Are you as he, as me? He, that's on, uh, that's oh, on no. TV. Oh, he's down here. What he, what's happening is he is uh, endorsing a lot of candidates, Republican oh. candidates down here, trying to put all his people in. And he always starts it off with, you know, you can't let them steal another election from us. Oh. You know, I mean, so I hear that every day. Welcome to the South. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're, you're not kidding. It is the old truth that my son was saying that the book that Trump goes by is if you speak it. Long enough, hard enough, people will believe it, right? <laughs> That's the truth. No, no, not this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying what he's selling. But uh, I, I just got to hope none of my neighbors listen to this podcast. That's <laughs> right. So you might end up with something in your front yard, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, that's not good. That's not good. Well, guys, uh, thanks for another uh, uh, another edition of the uh, of the Boys of Summer. We're going to be back in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, the Red Sox, the Tigers, and the Royals will all have improved their standing in so that uh, we're a little bit more upbeat about our teams. But uh, for Eric Braun, for Paul Arnold, I'm Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Boys of Summer. We'll see you soon. <laughs>